Matthew 12, verses 18 through 21. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. Today we light the candle of hope. Good morning, Heritage Church. Whether you are engaging with us on TV or online, I'm so excited that you are part of our church family. This Sunday, we get to start off a new series called Christmas for All, and I am excited to see what God has in store for us in these next few weeks. Now, as we go into worship today, we're gonna sing a song called The Lord Our God that talks about His faithfulness. And for some of us, it is hard to see where God has been faithful in our lives because we're still in the worst of it. But for others of us, we can just look back and know that God has been faithful and will continue to be faithful in our lives. So as we head into worship today, my prayer for you is that you would open your heart and your mind and your eyes to see where God has been at work in your life and is at work in your life right now. Would you sing with me? Well, good morning, Heritage. How are you guys doing this morning? I want to invite you to stand to your feet and worship with us. We're going to start by singing a song called The Lord Our God, declaring that He is faithful to the end, that He's a God who keeps His promises and who will never fail us. You guys believe that this morning? Come on, let's sing. Here we go. It goes like this. Promise maker, promise keeper, you finish what you begin. Our provision through the desert, you see it through to the end. Oh yes, you do, God.
So thankful for those reminders. I don't know what you have brought with you into the worship space today, but just the reminder that God has it and has you in the midst of whatever challenges you're facing and that, uh, that he can move the immovable. And that's, that's such an encouraging word for us. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to have a seat. 
and uh, just mention, my name's Josh, if you haven't had a chance to meet, get to serve as one of the pastors here on staff at Heritage, and uh, want to just remind you of a dynamic that's been happening. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but we have so many tremendous serving opportunities that are coming up this Christmas season, and want to just remind you of some of those things. We have pl- plenty of giving tags left on the trees in the lobby. It's not too late to, uh, to get involved in that, but I want to highlight two events. The, the first happens on Saturday, uh, December 4th, and it's Meals from the Heartland. It's a food packing event, and this is a great family serve. If you want to serve somewhere with your entire family this Christmas, that is, that is the place to go. Um, you get in teams and just pack up food, and, uh, and that food's going to be distributed around the world. And it's just a great way to, to kind of be together as a family and lean into something that is uh, selfless. And, uh, and so I, I would just invite you uh, to that. Or on uh, Thursday, December, or, yeah, December 9th, uh, we have our Jefferson Christmas party. And uh, this is really for the students at Jefferson Elementary School and their, their families. It's going to be a great time of decorating cookies and playing games and, and serving pizza and just, just doing all sorts of things. And, uh, and we also need some volunteers to come and help love on those students and love on their families. And so if either of those events uh, resonate with you, we would just in- invite you to go to the Church Center app and sign up there, or you can call the church office, fill out a connection card and let us know. Um, but we would love to see you get involved in some of these Christmas opportunities. I remember it clearly. I was maybe five or six years old, just a little boy, and I remember the look on my mom's face as she realized there was no food anywhere in the house, that our fridge was bare, the cupboards were empty, and that the the one who should have been providing for us had decided to use food money in pursuit of fun times with his friends. And so here we were, in need of food, there was a long gap between the food that we needed and the next opportunity for money. I'll never forget the sense of panic that was on my mom's face as she realized she had three small children that needed to eat. 
she needed to eat, and there was no solution ready for us. We weren't sure what to do. I Again, I remember panic and concern and just this very real sense of stress and anxiety of knowing that there was a need impossible for us to meet. And then I remember my mom inviting us to pray, to ask that God would do what only he could do, that he would act and move in a way that only he could act. And so we prayed and we waited. I remember being, you know, really disappointed that the person who was supposed to help provide and sustain and, and move for our family had neglected us, that, that there was this space of emptiness and void that was very really impacting our lives. I remember wondering how provision would come. And I share this with you because I think there are many of us, even here today, right now, who find ourselves in a crazy in-between space where maybe we find ourselves disappointed with others or we find ourselves in a space of anxiety and concern and worry. We find ourselves in between the diagnosis and the resolution. We find ourselves between conflict and resolution, between need and provision, between dream and realization. We find ourselves in that hard in-between space where there's opportunity for worry and concern, anxiety and disappointment. And we wonder how it is that we can hold on to assurance and hope in that space. This week, we step into a new season in the church year called Advent. It's a season of in-between. Advent is the in-between space of when Christ came and the expectancy of his coming. It's our in-between space of now and Christmas, but it's also a reminder of the in-between space that we all occupy of Christ coming for the first time and the fullness of his goodness in his kingdom being seen once and for all. Advent is the space of in-between, of waiting, of promise yet fulfilled, of need yet met, of opportunity yet realized. This is the space that we step into. And the first week of Advent is the week of hope. And so this week we're looking at this question of how is it in the in-between spaces of life after a couple of years where it seems that some of us have encountered disappointment piled upon disappointment, of, of grief piled upon grief, of challenge piled upon need. How is it that we can hold on to hope, that we can rest in assurance that God is active and working and for us? After all, that's what this season is. And so we're going to look into the, into the scriptures, into the Old Testament, at a story that might actually surprise you. It's a space that maybe we wouldn't often go in the first week of Advent as we're looking at hope, as we are waiting for the person of Jesus to come bursting fully on the scene. But it is a passage of scripture where we find a man named Job, and we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Job, chapter 5. You can click or turn there. And we find this man who has experienced great blessing followed by tremendous loss. And now he's in between. He's in between loss and restoration. He's in a space of incredible disappointment and pain where he's lost 
everything he had, his wealth, his prestige, his power, his health, his friendships. He finds himself in a space of utter desperation where if God doesn't move on his behalf, he will be broken and lost. And this is kind of where we intersect with his story. But it's here that we discover what it looks like, even in disappointment, especially in the in-between spaces of life, how it is that you and I can hold on to hope, how we can be assured of God's goodness, what it looks like for us to press into all God has for us, even when life around us may not be what we first anticipated. So again, we're going to be in Job chapter 5. I'll give you a moment to turn there. As you're doing that, I, I am aware that this season of Advent and Christmas, it is an opportunity for us to have great expectations that remain unmet, where we have our own designs and desires of what we think Christmas should be, of what we think the holidays should be. And yet, sometimes we don't get to experience all of that. And many times, I think God's desires may be different than what we would plan for ourselves. So again, it's in this in-between space that we intersect in the story of Job. We're going to pick it up in chapter 5, verse 8. Again, as Job is feeling stuck and lost, his friends have arrived to help him, and they've just sat in the silence of grief with him for days. And finally, one of them interacts with him and speaks to this friend named Job. In the space in between, here's what he says. If I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He provides rain for the earth. He sends water on the countryside. The lowly he sets high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He thwarts the plans of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and the schemes of the wily are swept away. Darkness comes upon them in the daytime. At noon, they grope as in the night. He saves the needy from the sword in their mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. So the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. This is an incredibly hopeful space as we intersect with Job who's stuck here in this in-between place. The writer goes out of his way, his friend Eliphaz goes out of his way to communicate, here's who we know God is. Here's who we've seen him to be. Here's how we've encountered him in past and in power. Here's what you know to be true about who he is. And as we unpack all of this, he kind of declares God's goodness and power, the miracles that he works, and says, so because of that, the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. You see, what we begin to discover in that conversation and in answer to our question about how we can hold on to and rest in hope, even in in-between spaces, even in disappointment, even in grief and mourning and brokenness, what we discover about holding on to and having hope is first that, that hope is not found in circumstance. We, we don't find our hope in circumstance. Job had every reason to be hopeful at the beginning of this story. As it progresses, he suffers loss, loss after loss after loss. 
And if he were to look at his circumstances in the moment that we intersected with it in Scripture, he would say there's no reason to hope in circumstance that even the security that he knew with wealth and health and prestige and power, that it was fleeting. And some of us, we look to what we have, what we've attained, what we've held on to, what we've built, the, the blessings that we can point to in life, and we say, well, surely then now I can have hope. The more we hold to those things, the more we look to them, the quicker we discover hope is not found in circumstance. Job was living this out in real time and in real life. So hope isn't found in circumstance. And we also see that hope is not found in other people. Leading up to this moment, Job's very own wife tells him he should probably just curse God and get it over with. She's not being very hopeful or helpful. As we'll see as the story continues, if you dig into the book of Job, you see that Job's friends move from this even place of encouragement and hopefulness and and reminder to places of despair and anxiety themselves, where they begin to question Job's character and his ability to interact with the things of God. We see in that, in, in the, the interactions that are here, that hope isn't found in other people. But again, that's often a place where, where you and I will look for hope. We'll, we'll look to someone else. And there is value in looking to the people around us to, to encourage us and remind us. That's, after all, what we see right here in this passage. But as we discover that other people are fallible, other people are just simply human. And if we rest all of our hope in what other people can do or what they'll be, we'll be disappointed every time. So where then do we find hope? Where where do we rest in it? How do we hold to it in these spaces of in-between? What we see is as Job's friend reminds him of who God is and what he does and the invitation for Job in this is the same reminder for you and for me in this first week of the Advent journey. It's that hope is found in the goodness and power of God. That's where hope is found. That's something that never changes, that is true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I believe that if you look back in your story, you can find places where God showed up in goodness and power, even when you weren't aware of it at the time. That there are moments of your story where you can see God at work, whether you're fully convinced he's real and at work or, or not, whether you're kind of discovering that or, or just checking it out kind of for the first time. If you look with eyes to see, I'm convinced you will notice God has been at work in goodness and in power. And we're reminded that because of his goodness and his power, we have hope. This is kind of what the, what the friend of Job is saying here. Remember, he says, listen, because God is good and powerful, because he does wonders, because he brings provision, because he grants safety and rescue, even when our circumstance may argue with whether that's true or not, because these things are true, then the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. 
He brings about plans that are so much greater and stronger and wonderful than anything we could cobble together on our own. But in that in-between space, between what we need and what we have, between what should be and what is, between what we're walking through in the space of anxiety and worry and grief and wonder, it's in that space that we're invited to cling to the God of power and goodness and to say, as we wait for this, we will stand in assurance that God is good and that he is powerful. And it's there, the writer says, that the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. Here's the astounding thing for me. It's that, that God desires for you and for me to encounter him and experience him right now today in his goodness and his power. There's no circumstance of your life. There's no in-between space that you find yourself in where God does not in that place of wonder, of worry, of anxiety, of grief, in that place where he wants you to encounter his goodness and his power. I'm convinced of it. It's right there that he wants to intersect with the stuff of your life. And here's how I'm convinced of that. Because you see, again, this whole season that we're stepping into is the season of remembering that Christ has come, that goodness and power in the flesh has come and dwelt among us, that hope embodied has been sent to us for us. This is the story of Christmas. It is the person of Jesus who lived for us and died for us. In our live spaces today, we're again celebrating communion. And communion is the act of remembrance, the, the physical touching space of saying, God has come in the flesh, hope has come and it is ours, that the power and goodness of God is on full display in Jesus. And that is true, not just in a conceptual way where, where maybe we can convince our minds that possibly that's true. It is so true that Jesus has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit, who I absolutely believe in the situation and circumstance of your life right now, no matter what it is, no matter how other people may have let you down, no matter even what you may have encountered in and through the church that has been disappointing for you, no matter the wounds that you carry from the last day or week or month or years, it's there. Jesus can encounter you and you him. And you can know with assurance deep in the core of who you are that the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth, that God is the good and powerful God who is for you. And so if you've never received the gift of Jesus, if you've never received this gift of hope embodied, I can't think of a better day to do that than right now here today. And you can do that simply by acknowledging that you need him, by acknowledging that, that you, like everyone else, has made mistakes that have moved you further away from God's goodness and more into hardship and even more of those in-between spaces. But that he is able to rescue you, that Jesus is who he says he is, and he desires to be the one who forgives you and leads you as the one who came for you who lived for you, who died for you, who rose again for you. And so if that's your next step of, of receiving the gift of hope today, then, then I invite you 
to do that. Right here at Church Online, you can go ahead and indicate you want to pray with a pastor. We have a live pastor who is able to interact with you and chat in real time, and they will help lead you in a prayer and moment of stepping into relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to text us and let us know you want to know next steps about how to do that or you've made that decision, you can text the word FAITH to 309-250-2007. And of course, you can fill out a virtual connect card at heritageqc.com or in the Church Center app. If you receive the gift of Jesus today, let us know. We want to journey with you and celebrate with you that you have found the hope in the flesh of Jesus. Again, there are spaces and places in your life, I'm sure, where you can look to challenge And you can see where God has been at work in power and goodness. Receiving hope as we've received the gift of Jesus, as we've been reminded of the goodness and power of God, as we look to that and rest in that. You see, receiving hope actually moves us into places where others need hope. As we become recipients of the hope that Jesus brings He actually fills us to overflowing with that hope, not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. You see, living in hope requires us to sacrificially shut the mouth of injustice. Remember back in that passage, it says, so because all this is true, the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. As those who have Jesus, we are empowered and expelled to shut the mouth of injustice around us. Because you see, injustice is this thing that will actually seek to devour hope. Its jaws are hungry for the stuff of hope in in the lives of those who are marginalized and downtrodden and oppressed and forgotten. And so as people who receive the goodness and power of God, who have the hope of Jesus, our duty, our job, our wiring is to offer hope and justice to those around us, to shut the mouth of injustice. Injustice, as I said, devours hope, but because of Jesus, the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've received his hope, you've received his Holy Spirit, and that means you have authority to declare and live into what it looks like to be someone of hope who shuts the mouth of injustice. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we get to declare in the name of Jesus hope to the poor. In the name of Jesus, shut your mouth to injustice. And we get to be active participants in God bringing his goodness and power into the world. You see, that's what happens as we pursue hope and live in justice. We actually are part of bringing God's goodness and power to bear in the world. You see, there are all kinds of poverty in the world. There's not just financial poverty, but but there's material poverty and spiritual poverty and environmental poverty. There's opportunity poverty. There's relational poverty. And you and I are brought into the richness of God's mercy. We're brought into the wealth of God's hope in Jesus, not to hoard it for ourselves, but to offer it and activate it in the lives of others. As we do this, as we 
actively engage in offering hope and in shutting the mouth of injustice, we actually find that our own hope quotient increases, that we become more hopeful people as we step into spaces that seem as though they're hopeless, and we do it in the power and authority of Jesus. We find our own hope begins to overflow, and we find an energy we didn't know we had. We find a passion we didn't know was there to see people connect more deeply and profoundly with the goodness and power of God because we see it at work in ourselves and in them all the while as we do this. There are injustices, big and small, around us that you are equipped and empowered to interact with and to shut the mouth of. You can do that in really practical and tangible ways. As you go about your day-to-day life and you see people who are mistreated or who are forgotten, who are oppressed, who are treated with inequality. As you see circumstances that seem to be devouring people and families and generations and communities, where you get to be the vessel of hope, of God's goodness and power. And you may not be able to change the whole system. You may not be able to address the whole issue that you see, but God has positioned you to interact with at least one. The series is called Christmas for All. And it's a space where we believe Jesus has come for all of us, corporately and individually. And you, as a follower of Jesus, empowered by his spirit in the authority of his name, must go about the good work of declaring hope to the poor and injustice having its mouth shut. This is what you and I are to be about. If we walk through this first week of Advent and talk about hope, but do not then go and be active participants in the justice of God, shutting the mouths of injustice in the world around us, then we're only getting half of the goodness that God has for us. We're only experiencing part of what he desires for us, and I believe we're actually avoiding the fullness of life he calls us to and moving away from his goodness into sin if we refuse to be people who shut the mouth of injustice wherever we see it. We get to live in hope. And what that means is then we sacrificially live out the goodness and power of God for the sake of others. I saw this play out a little bit in my own story. I told you at the beginning about that day when I I remember we found there was no food in the house and no way to get any. I remember praying and asking God to do what only he could do. And then I remember a while later, I don't know how much longer, (laughs) my mom went back to the kitchen for something and discovered there was a fridge stocked and there was food in our pantry. I would love to think that, that God just zapped that there for us. But I know this much, that the miracles I've encountered in my life almost always been as someone else has chosen to sacrificially move in the power and goodness of God. Somebody with access to our home blessed us that day. They gave us the food that we needed, and they were an answer to prayer. And in their sacrificial act of love, it was there that my family encountered in a very real way the goodness and power 
of God. It's the same for you and for me. It doesn't always take grand acts. It's looking at where is there poverty around me? Where is somebody in relational poverty? And how do I give hope in that by being present? Where is somebody in need of me addressing the injustice they seek even for a moment, or the, the injustice that they're in, and seek even for a moment to bring resolution to that, to bring light and life and hope in God's goodness? This is what we are called to do. It's who we are not because of who we, uh, we make ourselves to be, but because of who Jesus makes us to be as we receive him. Hope and justice go hand in hand. The poor having hope and injustice shutting its mouth must be part and parcel of the same deal. This is so much true. And so, so a part of who we are meant to be and what it looks like in this Advent season to look to who Jesus is and what he has done and what he will yet do. That later on in the book of Job, Job himself becomes convinced of these things and declares, I know, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will at last stand on the earth. We know that our Redeemer lives, that Jesus is the fulfillment of hope, that he is the fulfillment of justice, that he is the fulfillment of the goodness and power of God, that Jesus is alive and he desires to make his power and goodness known through us. So with all of that being said, then here's the question for us right now. Where do you need to receive and offer hope in this season? Where do you need to receive and offer hope in this season? We're going to give you some space here in just a moment to, to process and declare these things by asking that question. Where do you need to receive and offer hope in the season in a couple of different ways? So the first one is this. Where do you need to experience the goodness and power of God? What in-between space are you in? What circumstance of brokenness do you find yourself buried under? What grief, what challenge, what need? Where do you need to experience the goodness and power of God? And I would invite you, even now, to say that out loud, to write it down, to lay it before God as a space where you need him to show up. So go ahead and do that. So where do you need to experience the goodness and power of God? That's part A of the question. Part B is this. Where do others need to experience the goodness and power of God through you? What are the places where heartache and disappointment are a cloud people are living in? What are the places you're aware of where, where in the jaws of injustice are seeking to devour the hope of people around you and you can be a vessel of the goodness and power of God? You can be one who meets a tangible need. You can be one who offers a word of encouragement. You can be one who says, I know my Redeemer lives and will at last stand on the earth and so the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. How can you give hope how can you shut the mouth of injustice in even some small way in this season? I pray Holy Spirit would speak that to you 
and then that you would commit to taking one step toward that out of the overflow of the hope that you have. Because here's the deal, church. As you and I live in the hope of Jesus and we offer it out to those around us, he will move in ways we have never even imagined. We will see his provision break out in ways we didn't even know to ask for. We will see healing and and wonderful things. We will see people come to fullness of life, I'm convinced of it, in ways we would not otherwise encounter if we insisted on holding hope for ourselves. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God who says, the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. I pray that as my friends process with you what you've been saying to them, that they would experience your goodness and power and that they would offer it under your authority and empowerment to others. Lead us to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I think you guys know it. Sing it with me. Here we go. And it's the song of the redeemed Rising from the African plain And it's the song of the forgiven Drowning out the Amazon rain The song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation, a love song born of a grateful choir. Come on, you guys sing, here we go. And all God's children sing.
part, this next part of the song is really powerful. It's declaring that there's no power of darkness, nothing in all of creation can quiet the voice of the Lord, can stop the name of our God. You guys believe that this morning? All right, oh, come on, you guys believe that this morning? Come on, let's go, here we go. Goes like this. And all the powers of darkness, they tremble at what they've just heard. Come on, sing this like you mean it. Cause all the powers of darkness, they can't drown out a single word. Come on, you guys got a chance, here we go. And all the powers of darkness, they tremble at what they just heard. Yes, they have. Cause all the powers of darkness, come on, they can't drown out a single
God is doing great things and he has done great things. Since we just celebrated Thanksgiving, if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to take a moment and think through specifically what are the things that God has done in your life and is doing in your life. And just take the time to thank him for that. One of the great things that is happening in our church is a serving opportunity coming up called Meals from the Heartland. Now, because of your faithful giving with radical generosity, we have been able to put on this event where your whole family can show up to serve. And this is something very young children can do as well as people who can't lift much because of their old age. I would greatly encourage you to come and serve. And you can sign up for serving by going to the Church Center app and going to the events tab. Now, if you don't have family with you this season, I would even more strongly encourage you to sign up to serve and meet more of your church family because we would love to get to know more of you. Now, again, this is only possible because of your faithful giving. So if you consider Heritage your church home, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com give, or you can give through the Church Center app. Again, this is just one of the many ways that your giving is used to do great things, not just in our church, but in our community. Now, as you go about the rest of your week, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would know how cherished and loved you are by everyone at Heritage Church. If you are struggling right now, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com connect, and you can ask to speak with one of us on the pastoral team, and we would just love to take a minute and pray with you and get to know you a little bit more. But for now, my prayer is that you will know how loved and cherished you are by God, by your friends, by your family, and by us. So go in peace, and we'll see you next week.